Hey everybody out there in the Crux Nation, this week we're going to start off with a little bit of fun. <laughs> Maybe a lot of fun. We're going to kick it off this week with a little BuzzFeed style quiz. I know the millennials love that. This will determine what kind of police department are you? Question number one. An American hero has been shot dead in your city. Your suspect is fleeing in a car. Do you A, set up roadblocks so the suspect physically cannot pass and is sealed within your jurisdiction, or do you B, simply make all the traffic lights red since you know that cold-blooded killers fleeing for their life totally abide traffic lights? Question number two. Same scenario. Perhaps the greatest liberator in the history of the Republic has been struck down in your city. Do you A, issue a signal to send police units to prearranged locations to seal the city's main arteries, that is roads, highways, bridges, etc., to prevent his escape? Or do you B, issue this other signal, this trash-ass signal, that simply orders units to, quote, remain quiet and stand by for transmissions from the dispatcher? basically a signal that orders, you know, a little quiet time for everybody. Question number three. A global icon for justice has been assassinated on your watch. Do you A, issue an APB to surrounding jurisdictions and states to alert them of the suspect? Or do you B, consider the assassin to have won the game by simply escaping the Memphis city limits? If you answered B to each question, congratulations! You're the Memphis Police Department, 1968. You're trash. Trash AF. Straight garbage. Get your shit together, Memphis PD. Black Lives Matter. Let's go. It's the crux. The murder of Martin Luther King Jr. is a case that refuses to be closed. Did you fire the shot that killed Dr. Martin Luther King? No, not. I may not get that with you, but I want you to know the night that we as a people so as mysterious as that CB radio signal remains, if you remember from the intro of the first episode, it's that hoax that sent Memphis PD to the wrong side of the city. That wasn't really the problem in catching the assassin, whether that was Ray or, or whoever it was. It wasn't really a complication. The Memphis PD complicated things plenty by themselves. Their response to the assassination was so shockingly negligent that it's been impossible for many not to see it as, as somehow part of a conspiracy. More on that in a bit. But as far as that CB signal goes, there's still debate over who is behind it, but we can pretty safely say that it was an independent racist. For one thing, it came way too long after the shot. Some 35 minutes after the shot. Think about it. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't cohere with anything we've been talking about. This tightly controlled and, and planned operation enacted by a professional team of conspirators. They wouldn't have had the, 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 the signal just sort of wander in 35 minutes later. They would have had it coincide with the rest of the scheme in the first few minutes after the shot. You just don't pull off something that complex and have the crucial distraction come in way late, way, way late. 
Memphis PD investigated it, and they believed the culprit to be this 18-year-old kid. The assassination committee threw some doubt on that particular suspect, but they confirmed that it wasn't part of a conspiracy. And I believe them, but I disagree with the suspect being labeled as a prankster, as he was in the assassination committee. No, this wasn't like, you know, boys will be boys and silly stuff. No, this was a racist acting independently to throw off the authorities. It was only because of who had been killed that some white dude would have thought that it was, you know, fucking cute to throw off the authorities. But again, that that ended up not mattering. Ray, at least, had gotten out of town long before that. And according to Ray, there was a particular reason he was able to dip away, unseen and, and unscathed. He found himself with the with the good fortune of already being out on the street when the shot was fired. In his car, actually. And just outside what would become the, the epicenter of police activity after the shot was fired. Ray had gone down the street to finally get his tire fixed after blowing it, you know, out in his travels. And he'd been riding on his spare for, for some time. Ray was to meet back with Raul that night after Raul met with the gun buyers and all that. Ray would get paid and, and finally, hopefully, get that new ID, all the necessary documentation, a whole new identity, and just piece the fuck out. But he has some time to kill while they're meeting, so he decides to finally get this this tire business taken care of. I mean, for somebody who drives thousands and thousands of miles, as Ray did, you can't be out there without a spare tire. Plus, hopefully he'd, he'd finally be going to Canada soon with this new Canadian identity. So, you know, he needed to make sure his car was, was ready for that long drive. So it's getting towards six o'clock when Ray gets down to the service station. It's about five blocks or so down from the boarding house. And the fellow there, he, he's wrapping up for the day. He's not going to be able to get to the car that, that evening. So, you know, he says, come back tomorrow morning. I can, I can take a look at it. So Ray in the minutes after six o'clock, in those first few minutes after six o'clock, he's driving back down Main Street, back toward the flop house and the Lorraine. And he sees the blue lights as he approaches. There's something going on on Main Street, it looks like, or in the vicinity. The cops are swarming. They're, they're racing in. The place is going nuts. He's, he's thinking, has something happened with Raul? The, What's going on? And, and and Ray said, nah, I ain't driving down there. Fuck that. Ray was all manner of illegal at that point. And he turned that car right around and made a beeline for anywhere but Memphis. But Ray might not have been caught anyway. The Memphis PD's response to the shooting was just bizarre. First of all, these multi-vehicle police units... They were called tact units that had been positioned around the Lorraine were pulled back on April 4th. It's a move that, that many have seen as suspicious because that was new that day to move them back and, and quite a distance back at the time of the shot. The units had been withdrawn to a perimeter of at least like five blocks out, none within view of the Lorraine. The Lorraine was suddenly a, a, a copless environment. Instead of tightly surrounding the Lorraine, as had been the custom when King was in town, now these these units were, were peppered out around this wide periphery. Ordinarily, they'd be right there nearby, right at the scene of the crime. But instead, today, 
the assassin would have had a, a wide berth through which to escape. So when the shot is reported, all these units now have to come racing back in toward the Lorraine, leaving these, these gaping holes through which to escape. Now, the state argues that it was somebody in Dr. King's party that asked the cops to fall back and to be kept at, at a pretty significant distance on April 4th. But others, and especially some folks close to King, say, nah, 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 that wasn't the case. They say, who, who was it? They called for that. It wasn't me. A lot of people say a lot of different things about that. Who, who requested the cops to be gone from the area on April 4th? Now, I can certainly understand why King's folks wouldn't have wanted these tact units all over the place. It's like 70 cops. These multi-car, 10 to 12 man teams used for emergencies and, and public disorder, like riots and stuff like that. See, King was back in Memphis to hold a nonviolent protest. This had to stay nonviolent. This had to go perfectly. Because the last one he had led in Memphis devolved into, into property destruction and, and chaos and, and even violence when one 16-year-old black protester was killed by those same cops. King needed this one to go completely perfectly. Again, this was a dry run for the occupation of Washington that he had coming up. And he had to prove to everybody in Memphis and nationally, and maybe even to himself, that nonviolent resistance could still work. And so it makes some sense to ask these TAC units, which one Memphis preacher described as ruthless, to stay away. That Memphis preacher, this guy, Reverend Samuel Kyles, he describes the earlier protest, the one that devolved in, into violence, he described it as a police riot. That is a protest that the police themselves provoke into being a physical confrontation, which wasn't the first or the last time that would happen with, with cops and protesters in this country. So, you know, it might have been the King's folks asked the Memphis police to fall back. But of course, we'd also have to imagine the Memphis PD caring enough about King for them to, you know, courteously withdraw their cops just to please him. We'd have to imagine the Memphis PD not being chock full of racist pieces of shit. And that's being generous, actually. It's hard not to see their response to the assassination as racist negligence of the highest order. And that's giving them the benefit of the doubt. They did not try to catch the killer. Not really. You could say that they actively demobilized the force to let the killer escape. So was it just gross racism? Or does it reek of conspiratorial complicity? This way that the Memphis PD, under the direction of former FBI guy Frank Holloman, appears to have left the door just wide open for the killer to escape. Okay, so Holloman and the Memphis PD learn that King has been shot. There are two commands that could be put out on police radio in that situation. There's a signal Q which directs units to go to radio silence and wait for further instruction. A signal cue also makes all the lights red in the downtown area. Then there's a signal Y, here explained by Lieutenant Frank Gallagher, who was then commander 
of communications for the Memphis PD in 1968. He says that a signal Y would, quote, indicate that certain units were to proceed to prearranged locations to block all main exits from the city, including Poplar Avenue and city limits, Lamar Avenue and city limits, Highway 51, Highway 61, Highway 64, and the Arkansas Bridge. Unquote. Every way you could get out of town in 1968. We know how Ray, at least, left town. That is via Highway 78, also known as Lamar Avenue. He would have been stopped under a signal Y. But Memphis PD doesn't call a signal Y. They call a signal Q. Because a red light's sure going to catch the bad guy. But it gets worse. The next signal, or lack thereof, is probably more significant. Memphis police made a conscious decision not to issue an APB, an all-points bulletin. An APB is a call made to adjacent and neighboring jurisdictions. The next county over, the next city over, stuff like that. But more importantly, alerting the authorities in Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Georgia, etc. Since Memphis is in the center of this tri-state area, Arkansas is right across the river. It's measured in feet, not miles, from the Lorraine. Y'all, the Memphis PD didn't tell any fellow police departments that Martin Luther King's killer was on the loose. Let me repeat, they left all means of exiting the city wide open and didn't tell anyone in surrounding cities, counties, and states that this guy was on the loose. Director Holloman, before the assassination committee, at first simply can't explain to the committee why these things weren't done. He literally says, I don't know, a number of times. But then he explains, and this is the whitest thing in the whole entire world. He explains that he didn't want some poor, innocent white guy in a Mustang. Remember, that was the early description they were working with. He didn't want some poor white guy to be pulled over. Oh, the horror of bothering a delicate and precious white man in a nice sports car because he fits the description of the murderer of an American hero. Holloman said that he was worried that if he'd issued an APB, quote, some innocent individual in a car in Mississippi or Alabama could have gotten killed or injured. Right. Meanwhile, a black guy suspected of stealing a damn pack of gum has every black male between 5'3 and 7'4 pulled over. And those guys have to worry, you know, if they're going to be coming home that night or ever. But Holloman said he was more worried about the fragile white boys that might be inconvenienced than mobilizing the authorities to catch the assassin. <laughs> For fuck's sake, man. But then there's the matter of Detective Ed Reddit. 
one of the few black men on the force at the time. The case of Reddit is, is strange. It's been a hard knot to, to untie and sort of untangle. So I'll do my best at trying to explain how weird this is. But if you remember from episode two, Detective Reddit was one of the two officers tasked with surveilling King from, from the fire station. If you remember, they were hiding behind a papered over window. And they cut a hole out for binoculars and, and were keeping an eye on, on King at the Lorraine. And so Reddit is, is a cop. He's assigned to, to spy on King, but, but many see his removal right before King's death as eliminating him as, as a sympathetic officer who might have seen the assassination and given chase. I mean, he was right there looking down on the scene. The fire station is on Main Street. It's essentially next door to those buildings that housed the boarding house, you know, the Knipes, Jim's Grill. And it sort of overlooked that brushy area behind those buildings. But with Reddit being removed just hours before the assassination, those suspicious of conspiracy see the removal of all those police units from the area, all those tact units. And then Reddit's weird mysterious removal as, as opening sort of a clearing for the assassin to work. Okay, so here's the story of how Reddit got removed from his post. A few hours before King's death, Reddit says he received a phone call on the fire station's payphone, and the voice on the other end says they're gonna kill Reddit. But Reddit remains on duty, despite this, you know, unnerving call. Then, just two hours before King would be killed, Reddit was pulled off of his post by the head of the intelligence division. If you remember, it's that quasi-FBI in the Memphis PD. The head of intelligence, this guy, Lieutenant Arkin, tells Reddit that a contract had been put out on his life, a death threat. And before he knew it, Reddit, this, this lowly black detective, was at a table in a conference room at police headquarters, faced by all these high-ranking dudes he didn't know. Reddit says that someone had flown in from Washington, a Secret Service agent, expressly to pull him off the job because a contract had been put out on his life. And documents obtained by the Assassination Committee do confirm that the Secret Service did, in fact, contact the Memphis PD about an alleged hit on Reddit. But Reddit argues. He's like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm fine. Just let me go back to my post at the fire station. But they override him. And he was driven home by Lieutenant Arkin. Again, this man largely unfamiliar to Reddit. And it was when he was sitting with Arkin in the lieutenant's cruiser in Reddit's driveway that he heard on the police radio the news of King's assassination. The assassination he would have seen had he still been at his post. And it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. Okay, so... Reddit testified in the 1999 trial that he never heard anything else about it after he returned to work in a few days. Does that make, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it stands to reason that, that a scare of that magnitude with all that mobilization would, would merit at, at the very least an explanation to assure him of, of his safety, his safety, the, the safety of his family and all clear. He reports from the stand in that 99 trial that no one mentioned it to him until about two years before. That is 1997. Three decades later. 
And it was then that he was told that it was a case of mistaken identity. The hit had been put out on somebody in Knoxville, Tennessee, not Memphis. Somebody else told him it might have been St. Louis, not Knoxville. In any case, another city. But Secret Service was so sure of this hit that they flew in an agent from Washington, as Reddit recalls. They yank Reddit off of his post and, and whisk him away to safety. And then they're like, oops, RB, wrong city. Sorry about that, guys. And at that point, I get completely confused. How is the Secret Service so capable, almost omnisciently so, as to sniff out a hit job on this lowly police officer in, in middle America, only to confuse cities? I mean, I'm not in the murder for hire game, but I suspect that a contract killer would, would get their target's name and, you know, occupation, race, appearance, like what they look like and, and where they're likely to be. I mean, is there something I'm missing? I mean, someone would be like, hey, I need you to kill this guy, Ed Reddit. He's black. He's a cop. He's short, tall, whatever, what he looks like. Oh, and he lives in Memphis. If you're paying contract killers to off someone, you aren't going to be vague about it. That's something you want to get right the first time. And then the Secret Service intercepts news of that contract, or they get tipped off or whatever, and they go to protect that black officer named Ed Reddit. They rush an agent by plane from Washington, says Reddit, and pull him off of his post. And then once he's home, they're like, oh, dang, oh, snap, we meant Knoxville. So is there a black police officer named Ed Reddit in Knoxville? Was he killed? That seems real doubtful. Did the Secret Service agent then fly across the state in time to save the actual target in Knoxville? Because that would have taken a good long time. Knoxville is like 400 miles away. I mean, so many questions leap to mind, but none of them can be answered. Because when Reddit came back to work, no one said anything to him about it. But if the hit had nothing to do with Reddit, why did evidence of a hit reach Reddit through a payphone just feet from where he was? At the fire station, overlooking the spot where King would be gunned down in just hours. It's so weird. I mean, it could be a coincidence. A squeaky clean cop with no ties to criminality of any sort, no sort of shadiness whatsoever, might have received one death threat in the early afternoon and then been the mistaken subject of another a few hours later, the latter one pulling him off of his post. It could be that with those tact units pulled back and read it, a black man being essentially the only man on the scene and looking directly onto the eventual crime scene, it could be that it was only coincidence that a Secret Service agent from Washington removed him from his post so that now he wasn't there overlooking the Lorraine in that brushy area behind Jim's grill and the flophouse. 
it could all, it could just all be coincidence. So all this stuff starts to mount up and, and the question gets pretty messy. Was the Memphis PD simply displaying, you know, garden variety racist negligence of the sort that you might expect from, you know, a good many police departments in the South in 1968? Or were they actively working to enable the getaway of the person or, or the people involved in the assassination? I used to believe that the Reddit affair was really at the center of things, combined with that, with that blanket removal of all those tact units. That Holloman had, had really created this, this clearing in which the assassin could work. Basically, a, more or less a copless zone. But the charge that Holloman was a Hoover operative in this FBI assassination scheme really starts to break down. If this was, as many assert, an FBI-led conspiracy, with obviously Hoover at the head and his man Holloman on the ground, wouldn't Holloman be directed to nab the, the patsy to get the fall guy? Isn't that the point of having a fall guy? Right? I mean, if you've arranged everything to have Ray be in the trap to get caught, you worked to get him into position. Such work, starting in the Neptune in Montreal in July of 1967. That's 1,300 miles away and almost eight months before. And then you let him get away? You made it so, instead of virtually anywhere in the almost 4 million square miles of the United States, or the over 8 million square miles of the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, you know, raised stomping grounds. He's, you never know where he's going to be. But you made it so that instead of anywhere in those 8 million square miles, Ray is in less than a square mile that you have designated for him to be in. That's a fish in a damn barrel. That's a sitting duck. That's the easiest Pokemon there is. You know what he looks like what car he drives, and where he is. He's not a wizard. He's not a goddamn shapeshifter. And he sure as shit isn't a criminal mastermind. And he's exactly where you wanted him to be. Within a radius of about a football field from where King would be killed. Again, like a sitting duck. Right there in the trap you set for him. How easy would it have been to raid the boarding house? Sweep the streets around it. Seal off the roads out of town. You would have called for a signal Y immediately. Remember, the one that seals off the city. Or, if this was an actual, well-planned conspiracy, you already know what time is going down, more or less. So you move to have those routes out of town already blocked. I mean, maybe you don't know what's happening at exactly 6.01, but you'd have a good idea when. It's not a surprise if it's a conspiracy. And then you have the area surrounded. Cops everywhere. Plus all routes of exiting the city shut down. Again, if it's a conspiracy, it's not a surprise. It doesn't sneak up on you. You already know. And so you're already prepared. So if Holloman is at all involved in the conspiracy... 
as most theorists naturally propose, he would have had the trap set for Ray. There'd be cops everywhere, and they'd catch the guy that they had purposely put in this place to get caught. Why else do you have Raul? Why do you have Raul? Get him to a specific place. And even if Ray was, as he says, coming back toward the boarding house at 601, he literally drives right into the trap. As Ray says, he runs into like a wall of blue lights and turns around. If the conspiracy is to have the shooter escape and arrange so that the fall guy is there to be caught, why is he not caught when he literally, as Ray says, near about drives straight into this veritable battalion of blue lights? But maybe it was bungled somehow on Holloman's end. His many, many years, his decades in the FBI and his many years in the office of J. Edgar Hoover hadn't prepared him to successfully accomplish like the very, very easy task of catching a guy steered to be in a three or four block area in your city with scores of men and their cruisers everywhere. But Ray was lucky that day. And his luck continued. In fact, had Ray not run into passport trouble in Heathrow Airport on June 8th, he might have been safe forever. I really think that. I mean, once Ray slips from Memphis PD, he makes it to Canada without much trouble at all. And to London without much trouble. But he's not completely in the clear in England. And that was never his final destination. So he's in Heathrow Airport on June 8th. Ticket in hand. Just moments from finally escaping the reach of the U.S. authorities. When he's caught. And he never makes it to his final destination. Rhodesia. Rhodesia. You might not know Rhodesia. I didn't really until about a year ago. It's Zimbabwe now. It's what we call Zimbabwe. But it was called Rhodesia when it was the very last white European colony in Africa. When a small minority of white supremacists ruled over the vast majority of black Africans through violence. It was a symbol of white supremacy and its violent preservation then, in 1968, and even still today. Which I didn't know until last year. I wasn't hip to what Rhodesia meant to white supremacists until that white terrorist killed nine black churchgoers in Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina last year. As soon as his identity became known, photos emerged of the terrorist like proudly wearing this jacket adorned with the flags of apartheid South Africa and Rhodesia. He published his vile white supremacist manifesto on his website called The Last Rhodesian. 
In white supremacist lingo, to call yourself the last Rhodesian is to see yourself as like the last carrier of the torch of white supremacy enforced by violence and brutality. That's what Rhodesia stood for when it remained the last official white supremacist European colony in Africa. That's what Rhodesia represented. And that's how this terrorist named Dylan Roof saw himself as the last Rhodesian, the heroic last killer for white supremacy. So why then was Ray on his way to Rhodesia? Yeah, the